Well, welcome, Elisa. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for, for asking me. me to be with you. This is where all the magic happens. <laughs> it's we are just so you know, listener. We are uh, sitting in the middle of one of the hottest summer days uh, on record so far this year in this fantastically beautiful and humble and lovingly crafted studio. Generator. <laughs> oh, that's generous. What a great space. It's great seven space. by 11, just so you all know. <laughs> and I just put up new curtains and I had it painted and there's a new carpet. It's yep. my little my little zen closet. Yep. It's great sound. It's great look. It's a great feel for great conversation. So I'm thrilled to be talking to you about your next season. Ah, yes. Season two. Season two. Of Generator. Of Generator, which is part of a larger initiative. The podcast is part of a larger initiative called Generator that talks about uh, gender equity in the workplace and and peripheral issues that come up, that bubble up. And I would say, after listening to season one and participating in it a little bit, I would say that other issues have bubbled up. I think a lot of Mm -hmm. issues related to economics, issues related to the kinds of things that come up on the business side of things, you really handled them in season one. So I'd like to start there with mm-hmm. a little bit of reflection on your part. I, mm-hmm. I remember in your introduction for your first season, yeah. you said you wanted to get a 360 view. And indeed, we mm-hmm. heard a lot of male voices in your season one. Mm-hmm. So did you get what you wanted out of that? Hmm. That's a good question. I I think that I got most of what I wanted for a maiden voyage um, and to tackle such a difficult issue, and on top of that, to really focus on bringing in the male perspective, I think that what I got was was pretty good. What I would have liked to hear more of is some more personal stories. And unfortunately, because you know, when, you, when you're recording, I think people get nervous and they're also concerned how it's going to sound. So th- there was a bit of, um, I think the word I like to use, antiseptic, you know, to uh, approach to some, some of my guests and their responses for being self-conscious. And you, and you can't blame them. I mean, they're men talking about gender issues in the workplace or equity issues in the workplace. And it's a tough subject for most uh, but for men uh, in this sort of hashtag Me Too, Time's Up era, I think they are, um, there's a heightened uh, caution mm-hmm. about not wanting to say the wrong thing or be, a, be uh, not offensive, but, you know, just not wanting to chafe anyone, or, which is understandable. And yet throughout season one, the, the sentiment, I guess, or the, the sensibility that I heard from the the male voices uh, almost to a person was, this is important. Mm. We need to address it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's how I have kind of dealt with it in some sense. Maybe it wasn't as personal. I think that Mm -hmm. in some of those interviews, you're right, it's very hard to be very candid Mm -hmm. about what you're actually thinking and feeling. But Mm -hmm. I think generally we heard uh, a sensibility that they would like to, that the men that you interviewed would like to uh, participate in making things better. Mm -hmm. Do do you think that did you feel that in a genuine way as you were conducting I did. These I did. Yes. And I thought that there was a lot of openness to understanding and learning as you might imagine as soon as the recorder goes off there's more there's even more joining conversations and and questions about how 
to do certain things. So I there was absolutely an, an authentic uh, interest in, in participating in solving certain challenges that people face in the workplace. And so you just said after the microphone goes off, that, you know, this is not a criticism of an interview style. It's more a question about how do we how do we in general, whether we use media, how, how do we in general get people to those places after the microphone goes off where maybe they can take some action? What do you think it's going to take in, the, in this particular climate to get people to not just talk? Hmm. I think what is supremely important is the awareness that you can't affect change in the equity and diversity and inclusion space all on your own. And it's been my, my perspective all along that in the larger markets like New York City, Chicago, LA, there are a lot more resources and there's a lot more pressure to uh, solve for inequities. But in the smaller markets like Rochester, Cleveland, Buffalo, Syracuse, you know, mm -hmm. even Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, you know, all around us, these smaller markets don't have ready resources and the same kind of pressure uh, to, to look for solutions and create inclusion, inclusive environments. So what is really needed is, is the awareness that, A, you have an issue, mm -hmm. B, the CFO, the chief operating officer, and even sometimes the HR person cannot solve it on their own, that there is an expertise to this field. It's a field, mm -hmm. and you need to bring people in who can help you work through your issues and, and create um, a foundation that the company, the organization can build on. And it's a, a continual effort. It's like anything else that's foundational to business or, or you know, to universities or really any, any industry or any sector, it doesn't have a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's something that is constantly has to be worked on and developed. Right. And so we see now in the current climate, what we see, we see lots of offices of diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. popping up. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of attention to this language diversity and inclusion. We hear it everywhere. You're talking about it as a continual process is something that has to be kind of baked into the culture yes. and the policy of organizations and businesses. Yes. Uh, but, but do you, how do you feel? I mean, you're very credentialed in terms of team building, in terms of having honest conversations. Do you really feel that, uh, that that kind of activity has to get even out of the offices of diversity and inclusion and will it, I mean, isn't it easier just to make an office and let somebody else deal Handle with it? it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that is that is really hard to do. It, it it's not an effort that can live in one department. You're right. It has to be baked in through the whole organization. How you do that? It takes strong leadership and vision, and it takes discipline, and it takes you know good programming. And so the theoretically the the people who are hired to focus on equity and inclusion and diversity are providing support and tools and training to the whole organization as they go step-by-step step, uh, mm -hmm. in their own processes throughout their departments. Okay. So speaking of what people need, <laughs> uh, what is season two going to bring to us that we can use as we try to, as we try to kind of handle this? I am so excited for season two. 
<laughs> which is shocking to me because when, not that I'm excited, just that I'm at season two. <laughs> we should give a knock. Congratulations. You've made it through a whole season. Thank you. I, I just, I, I, I knew I wanted to do it and I, I can't believe I did. And I can't believe I'm actually talking about a season two where I already have two interviews recorded and I have three more lined up. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how interested people are in actually coming and talking to me. And it, so that it's just been so much fun. People have a lot to say. I mean, I don't know that anybody's asking them to speak mm-hmm. about their own uh, thoughts, feelings, and experiences, in, yeah. especially in business. So I think it's it's re- it's very realistic to think that people want to continue to talk about this. Yeah, that is true. And is in particular men. You know, right. the fact that I had so many men who were very interested mm-hmm. in, in joining with me because nobody's asked them before right. what they That's think. Right. They weren't invited, right? They weren't invited. Right. So I have coming up. Um, The very first episode is going to focus on disproportionality in the schools, which is the the um, practice of treating boys different than girls, but in particular, boys of color, black boys, brown boys, boys of color differently, either from uh, uh, advancement or uh, categorizing or or, um, classifying as Mm -hmm. as special ed or uh, providing opportunities like AP courses, et cetera, and discipline. So that is a hot topic, I know, particularly in in our region right now, and and not just Rochester, but in western New York. So I have an administrator coming to talk about that, and he's he's fantastic. So that's a great interview. Um, The pay gap. I'm very excited also to have, uh, to be joined by the assistant director of the Susan B. Anthony Center, who's coming to talk to me about... The pay gap, and what's interesting about the pay gap is that there's a lot of um, questioning and challenging as to the numbers that are used. What are you comparing? Are you comparing apples to apples, or is this, you know, part-time work versus full-time work? All those different sort of danglers out there that people question and challenge gets cleared up with uh, Catherine Farrell, which is wonderful. Great. I have um, in the pipeline Mary Frances Winters, who Great. is the president of the Winters Group, which does an incredible job of training people on equity and diversity issues. And she's she used to live here in Rochester. What I learned was she, she was born, I think, or grew up in Niagara Falls. Yes. And yes. Uh, mm-hmm. then she was here for quite some time, and I guess maybe the last... 20, maybe 30 years. Mm-hmm. She's been in North Carolina, continuing to grow that consultancy. So she's going to be joining me, which I'm really excited about also. And who else? Dottie Gallagher, the head oh, of the Buffalo Niagara Partnership, is going to join. And she's also going to talk about resources and tools they provide their member organizations. So, you know, there's, there's specific hot topics. And right. then there's a couple people talking about tools. Right. So. so we're going to hear women's voices in season yes. two, right? Yes, definitely. By design, mm-hmm. right? And then my last question for you really has to do with what, uh, and I've mentioned it a couple times already in this interview, that in the current climate, there's so much happening politically. There's, you know, you mentioned uh, in your first season, the hashtags you talked about here, that Me Too, um, all, all these kinds of things that are happening that are actually polarizing things, right? Mm-hmm. Is it a tweet? Is it a group of women uh, lawmakers who are trying to uh, get these discussions in public? Uh, it doesn't seem to me anyway, as a layperson, like there's a lot of middle ground here. 
And so I'm kind of wondering, in these discussions that you're having, where are you finding the middle ground? And where do you think we'll see it bubble up in season two? We've heard, we've heard from many male voices in season one. We're going to hear many female voices in season two. Where do you think the synergy is here? Hmm. So my garden, which we can see from my window, uh-huh. is um, it was sort of all used up of its nutrients and nothing was growing well in the last year. And so I brought in a big bunch of manure and had it all (laughs) spread and dug in because I knew that I needed poop to have things grow. So, (laughs) okay. Are you getting that analogy, dear listener? That's a beautiful metaphor. So, I I am eternally optimistic. I actually think it might be a disorder, but (laughs) especially in this day and age. But there's so, uh, uh, you know, there's so much, um, uh, uh, What's the word? What's the opposite of hope? You know, people are feeling... Well, they're fatigued. Yes. Mm -hmm. Every time they read the news and hear what's happening. I think we're in this time where there's so much poop being spread around, but there's all these little seedlings of really interesting ideas and openness that doesn't get really publicized. And that's, you know, the point of this podcast is to draw that out of people because it's there. So that's what I think is happening. And I think in my second podcast, you're going to hear from people who are are on the front lines and, you know, affecting change. Mm -hmm. And it's not somebody who's a headliner. It's regular day-to-day people. This is a time where things are being nurtured in the seed pod. And from this, we're going to see really positive social growth. That's great. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate this preview of season two. Hello, everyone. That was the exceptionally talented Elisa Mara Orlando interviewing me to tee up season two of Genderator. Episode one drops September 9th. It's my back-to-school episode where I interview Brandon Jones on disproportionality. As always, you are encouraged to share your comments on my website at genderator.com. That's genderator with a J. I would really like to hear from you. Please feel free to like and share the podcasts with others in your world. And stay tuned. I have a number of very special guests in the lineup for season two. Be well, and thanks for tuning in.